Hey, it's Rachel here. Before we jump in, I wanted to give a quick content warning about this episode. This episode is created for adult audiences only. In this conversation, we discuss detailed personal experiences of mental illness, substance abuse, suicide, and hospitalization. We know these topics may be distressing to some listeners, so please, discretion is advised. Try to be mindful of how your body is responding as you listen and take a break if you need one. If you need resources or support, you can call the suicide hotline at 988. You can contact the crisis line by texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. And if you're experiencing a crisis, we recommend visiting your nearest emergency room. Please look after yourself. On that note, thank you for listening to Truvine Talks podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode with our very special guest. Welcome to Truvine Talks with Rachel and Linda. And today we have a very special guest and um, someone I really admire and love and deeply is my uncle, Phil. I know him as Jeff. So um, that's how we grew up calling him Jeff. And um, he is joining us today to talk about his story and whatever he feels comfortable sharing with us in our podcast. So, thank hey you for being yep. here. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, it's always good to, to see you anyway and to, and to, you know, talk about my story in any way I can. So, thank you. Yeah. Well, you describe for us three things that people might find interesting about you. Three things that people might find interesting about me. Okay. Well, you know, I grew up uh, in a really small town. You know, I grew up in, in Wayne, uh, West Virginia there. So um, I haven't lived there since I've been about 18. But um, I think a, a lot of my friends and stuff up here would be would find it interesting that just to take a look at how, how we grew up, where we grew up, you know, grew up in the, in the hills a little bit and running around and, um, doing those type of things. So I think that, uh, over the years I've kind of changed my, uh, changed so many things about myself. Sometimes I lose that identity, but I think that'd be something that, you know, interesting that people would find. Um, we still, you know, you can take the, take the boy out of the hills, but you can't take the hills out of the boy. So I'm still, still West Virginia through and through as far as that goes. Um, and, you know, just the baby of six kids <clears throat> and three sisters. So, you know, all about that. So um, I had extra moms, you know, I had three extra moms, whether I wanted them or not. I still do. So um, I'm f 51 years old and I still still uh, have my uh, mommy sisters to look after me. So it's, <laughs> that'll never go away, I don't think. So, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, I mean, personality wise, I'm pretty. Um, Pretty laid back for the most part, as far as I think on on the outside, you know what I mean. A, a lot of folks I think that have, um, you know, my experiences with with mental illness and things is you don't really uh, you may not see what's going on on the inside with people. You know, I kind of I use humor a lot. Um, 
to kind of mask some things when, you know, growing up. And I've, I still do that. I mean, I, I still love to be funny. Don't get me wrong. But uh, a lot of that, I think, in the past was just kind of masking some of my issues and, and things with mental illness. But um, and I think another thing that people might find interesting about me is I'm, I'm sensitive. You know, I, I, I may not look like it, uh, but I'm a sensitive person. I think uh, maybe to to a fault, you know, I, I do, uh, you know, can get my feelings heard. And, and I one thing about being sensitive is it's not all just about, you know, you, if you're a sensitive person, it's not all about your feelings, but I kind of tend to take on other people's feelings and other people's sensitivity and, and things. So that's probably, um, you know, something that I'll, I'll always have and I always continue to work on. But those are probably three things I think that may be interesting about me. Now, somebody else may say that there's more interesting stuff about me, but if you ask me that the most interesting, I think that's it. So. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, sure. You mentioned sure. experience uh, with with mental health. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you like to share your journey as it relates sure. to mental health? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was on a, a journey, a mental health journey, before I even knew I was on a mental health journey. You know, I mean, I uh, um, growing up, you know, I had um, lots of people looking after me and, and lots of things. So I think what we kind of lose uh maybe is it's not all you know nature versus nurture or nurture you know versus nature there, there could be a perfect storm of things and i think that uh i kind of you know am a am a pretty good example of that perfect storm i think that that um chemically and 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 um you know scientifically i have some things that you know that i wish i did you know i have some issues and that cause me um to uh, to have um, depression at times and anxiety, and um, I have a PTSD diagnosis and things. But um, and I also think that there was some uh, nurtured things in in there that just things weren't handled maybe the way they should be as as a child. You know, trauma um, and what happens in my my case, it kind of snowballs. Um, you know, through nobody's fault, uh, it just kind of gathers and and. and uh, for example, you know, trauma and PTSD. I, I didn't realize this, but um, it can kind of compound. You know, it, it doesn't have to be just one major traumatic event. You know, in somebody's life, it can be uh, other traumatic events that kind of compound and, and, and add up uh, to these different things. So, but the, my journey started a, a long time ago. That you know, I've always been a nervous kid, hyperactive, I think, and, and kind of. Um, you know, I wasn't necessarily mean. Now, my mom would say I was ornery, and um, she would probably tell you that I was, you know, plenty of stuff. I got I got into trouble uh, plenty of times, but um, I just mostly it was it was anxiety. I think it was a lot of that type of just uh, insecurity. Um, we grew up pretty pretty meagerly, pretty poor in, in our area, even, and um, so I think I looked for ways to kind of stand out. Um, so at an early age. Um, I kind of got introduced to, to alcohol. So that's how I, I self-medicated for my anxiety. I made up for, you know, any kind of shortcomings in my head by uh, being, you know, a uh, high school dude that could pound beers, you know, better than anybody else. You know, I mean, I, my friends would tell you, like, man, they would, they would even say, you know, it's pretty bad when, when high school kids you will tell you, gosh, man, you, you drink a lot of beer. You drink a lot. You can, you know, so I never did realize that uh, what I was doing there was, kind of you know self-medicating so that was a big part of my early journey and that continued with me uh, through my you know teens uh, and in my 20s 30s and it got um you know just 
continued to get worse. I, I couldn't operate basically uh, on a day-to-day basis, basis without, you know, without alcohol. Anything I did had to be, you know, uh, have some kind of alcohol in it. You know, if I was going to go to the movies, it had to be close to a bar or a way I could get into, you know, to, to, to use, um, to use alcohol. And that, that's basically the crutch. That was the only coping skill that I had. Um, but that was the way I dealt with my anxiety my insecurities, uh, my depression, um, which, you know, now, uh, as a, as a sober person to kind of, you know, work, work in a little bit with, with other folks, I, it, it just, it rattles my brain what we think that, you know, we're doing when we're, when we're, you know, using or we're doing with, with alcohol. I, I think that, uh, it's just a temporary fix. You know what I mean? And we think that we're just kind of getting rid of the problems, but, uh, then we sober up and then we, the problem's still there and it's even compounded made worse by something else, you know? So, um, but that was my life for, for a long time. Uh, and, you know, I, I met my wife, um, you know, early on, probably not at the height of my, my addiction, I think, but it was, it was pretty, you know, I was pretty, pretty deep even into that. And, um, she kind of, you know, I've always realized that, Hey, you know, you know, Phil's a drinker. That's what that's, and that's how he deals with things. Good day, bad day. You know, that's how I dealt with things. But even she didn't realize what I was dealing with, you know, I think um, mental health wise. Yeah. And that didn't, nobody did until I got sober, I think, uh, and started getting sober. And I think we started realizing what was happening there, you know, what what, what the underlying problems were. But, um, you know, my, my journey, you know, I think uh, has a lot of different winding roads, a lot of different things, things to it, like a lot of folks. But, um, you know. It, it culminated into um, finally just a deep, deep bout of depression um, and sleep deprivation. I was having, um, you know, through through some treatment early on and for my anxiety and uh, depression, I kind of met with a, <clears throat> a therapist who um, had, you know, my best intentions in mind, but we kind of opened Pandora's box a little bit with my with PTSD stuff. And he this person wasn't trained in, in, in that, uh, in dealing with somebody who might have past trauma. That wasn't his specialty, but he kind of, I think he wanted to be a little bit. So he kind of, uh, unfortunately I might've been his guinea pig a little bit. So, and it went, it went South. I, it opened, it did, it opened up Pandora's box. I, um, you know, really, uh, started having problems with, um, you know, losing time during the day, thinking about things that happened when I was a kid, uh, I couldn't sleep. I had, horrible nightmares and, 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 and things like that. So, um, you know, I just hours and, and days and days upon not sleeping. And then you have anxiety issues and then depression on top of that. And then I was using alcohol. Um, I just, I was off the, off the rails, you know, I was off the rails a little bit. And the, the bad part about uh, that was I had some insight. I, I knew, I knew I had a problem. I knew what I was doing and I wanted to stop. But I couldn't, and that made me even feel, you know, I couldn't do it on my own. And and uh, I saw what it was doing to my wife. I saw what it was doing to my my family, and it, and it made me really, you know, in a deep dark place. So, um, I eventually uh, got so depressed and, and was so so out of it, and I, I had, um, you know, different things going on that, um, you know, I, I wanted to give up. I wanted to check out. So um, I tried to uh, tried to commit suicide. Um, I locked myself in my bathroom, 
and um, you know, I slipped my wrist, and my my wife found me, and basically at that point, um, she saved my life. You know, I mean, we get we got what I needed to do. Uh, that was a big wake up call, obviously for both of us. And um, I went to treatment and, and started kind of my, my journey there as far as trying to get better. But um, just amazing kind of the people I've long, you know, met along the way, the path I've, I've met along the way. But my wife has to have so many kudos. And she, I tell you what, if they're handing out medals, you know, and we get to heaven, if she, she's going to be a saint, I think she, she's going to have her own special golden wings, I think, Aaron. She just uh, has put up with so much stuff and has helped, helped me so much. And has had faith in me when I didn't have faith in myself, which is so important, you know. Um, but, yeah, and, and that's pretty much, um, you know, in a nutshell, how I ended up on, on where I am today, really. Uh, the one story, uh, you know, that I think I could st stand out as far as a turning point when I was in, was I, when I was in treatment, <clears throat> um, if you want me to kind of go, I don't know what. Absolutely. I've been, yeah. I've been talking is, too much. Thank you so for I, sharing. So, no, no, You're no worries. And I, Linda uh, and I are just trying not to sob after this sweet, <laughs> beautiful, kind words you shared about your wife. We're both, oh, you know, um, very sensitive as you mentioned yourself is. Yeah. Well, she, she's awesome. So, and I know Linda, Linda knows, you know, Aaron, uh, <laughs> really well i mean and it, it's easy if you think about it you know uh it, it would be so easy for somebody to throw in a towel you know a, a spouse to put up with that much and, and if the roles were reversed um who knows if i hope i would have been a, a uh, you know the kind of man that would have stuck around and, and to help you know someone through that but who knows who knows you never know until you're in that uh that, that situation but Aaron sure did and she does still you know continues to this day but um when i was you know after the episode, when I, when I attempted suicide, um, and I was, you know, got getting stitched up in the hospital, um, you know, it, it, it was more than just a, just a cry for help. You know, I was, I was really angry that it didn't work. Uh, unfortunately I was, I was that far, that far depressed, um, and, and deep down in that hole where, you know, I was totally, you know, just steamed at everybody and everything that it didn't work, felt embarrassed. Um, uh, just one more thing that I thought I had failed at, you know? Um, so I remember, you know, riding from the ambulance, ambulance, you know, over in the ambulance to, to the, uh, the rehab center, um, in Dublin, Ohio, where, you know, it was, it's a great, a great place. Um, I ended up in the right place at the right time there, but I was, uh, a couple days into that, just coming out of my funk and mad at everything and not really doing, you know, working the program that they had there not going to the, the, the things and, and um, I just happened to be outside. Uh, we had, you know, a little bit of a break where we, we could go outside and go on these little walks or whatever around the compound. So I was out and there was a, a fellow that worked there. He was a young, young kid and he was, um, you know, a, a counselor and, and, and a patient, kind of a support person. And he said, he kept telling me, I look familiar. I look familiar. And um, I, you know, have met, I had been in so many, you know, places and so had so many different jobs and um over the years and so many you know been in so many bars over the years who knows who i who I'd ran into or, or what i've done and i'm just thinking about my, my god i hope i never you know didn't do anything to this kid or anything some one time um but one of the jobs i had the many jobs i had is i worked uh in riverside methodist hospital here in columbus as kind of a med tech um and it basically at the time it was 
sort of like a nursing assistant. So I worked with a, a patient um, and like a patient support assistant. I helped the nurses there. And the floor that I, the, the area that I mostly worked on was, um, was the neuro neuro critical care unit. So it was, it was pretty sick people that, that had brain injuries, strokes and things like that. So uh, I got a chance to work with the, with those people. And, and um, that was, that was really cool. Even though I was still in my addiction at that time. Um, and luckily I wasn't, um, you know, using at that time, I wasn't using during the, you know, drinking during the days to get through my days, like, like later, I think, but, uh, you know, so I was still able, still, still helpful to people, I guess. But one of the times I had actually floated, uh, into the emergency room and there was this kid that came in and he had a, a major brain, uh, um, injury major brain damage they were thinking it was going to be long term and um you know and, and i just happened to be there that day and his his family was there and uh you know his mom and his dad um were beyond themselves it was, this, it was a college kid that had a bright future and it didn't look very good you know so I was with him there uh, in the emergency room and kind of helping the nurses and in his treatment and things and got to kind of uh, one thing been about a uh, about an assistant about a med tech person is sometimes we got to meet the families a little bit more because we, we weren't quite as busy in the care we didn't administer drugs or anything like that so we just were helpers basically so but I did get to talk to his family quite a bit and know his family um, and you know again that kind of my sensitivity come, come out, I guess, a little bit. And I really, really felt for his family and felt for his mom and kind of put myself in their shoes. Um, but long story short or short story long, I think maybe it's how I make short stories long. So I apologize up front. You're but, a great storyteller. But he, he got, yeah. thank you. But he got um, got out of the emergency room and, and needed to be uh, in, in the critical care unit, the neurocritical care unit, which was where I usually work. So I floated back. I was back to there on my regular three-day shift. And um, so he was one of my patients. So I was, I was with this kid and um, his parents and, and helped him out. And he finally got, you know, he was going to recover. It was kind of like a miracle, you know. He had some issues along the way. Um, and, uh, you know, just a long journey, a long journey for that kid. But, you know, I had many, many people like that that I ran into, uh, really, that, that stuck, that, you know, kind of stuck out. He stuck out a little bit, but I hadn't thought about him in years. But uh, this kid, and back to back to Dublin, back to Dublin Springs, where I was in in uh, in care there. The kid, he, the young guy, he was like, you know, you look so familiar, man. You look you, you, to me, uh, even though I was at that time, I looked pretty bad. Um, I had, you know, obviously, I, had, I just tried to just tried to kill myself, you know. So, I, and I had been uh, a few more years of booze between the time I had met this kid uh, but it was a kid from the emergency room you know and and he said he when he found out who I was and uh, stuff he came to me he said you know man he said you you saved my life and I said I said I, I didn't really save your life he, he said no he said you were with me there in, in his mind um, because I was part of the, the care team I had you know saved his life um, and I I really I I that meant a lot to me, but I, I knew better. I knew I, you know, I, I wasn't a doctor, wasn't a nurse. I was just a helper, you know, but still it meant a lot to me. And he said, you know, he said, what is your, you know, what's your story? Where, where are you, you know? And, um, obviously he had been trained, you know, he, he was almost, he was going to be a therapist. So he was almost out of school. So he had been trained and he, he recognized the things that were going on with me. Um, 
and he just said, you know, I can't believe this is, this is something else. He said, do you mind if I tell my uh, dad and my mom and dad that, you, that, that you're here and that, you know, uh, he said, if you don't mind, you know, my mom actually works here. She works, she's a, she's an administrator. She was on the board at this place I was at. And, uh, my dad is, um, one of the speakers that you'll, that you'll see, um, from the AA program. He comes in. I had no idea that they had that kind of background. So, but, uh, they did, they both come and visit me just about every day. His mom and dad would come in and visit me while I was there and, um, you know, just thank me and, and, want to help in any way they could and they had had their own um battles with addictions you know the dad and, and things that so they kind of understood my road a little bit but um that was a huge turning point and, and it made me it gave me a little bit of self-worth and something to kind of uh you know sort of sort of say hey man may, maybe i'm here for a reason and um other than you know uh, what plenty, what should have been plenty of reason for me, my wife, my kids, uh, the life I had, my brothers, my sisters. Um, but sometimes we get caught so far in our, you know, in our sickness and we don't think about those things. And we don't, we, we, we don't think about all the things that we do have. You know, we think about the things that we don't have or our shortcomings. And, um, we don't think about the people who love us or care about us because we don't love or care about ourselves. You know, I mean, I, I've been so far down. It's, it's hard when, um, if, you know, if I don't like someone or if I'm having a problem with someone, or I know somebody doesn't like me, it's easy. I can leave the room. I don't have to be around that person. But when that person's you and you stare at it every day in the mirror and you, and you can't stand yourself, and, you know, and you're embarrassed and, and you don't like what the life you're living, um, that's hard. You can't get away from yourself. And the answer, you know, I thought I had the answer, um, but thank God I didn't, you know. Um, and so from there on, you know, I mean, uh, my life kind of turned around. That wasn't the end of my story. I mean, I still struggled for years, a few years after that. Uh, but it definitely started, you know, uh, started showing me some light at the end of the tunnel. But um, just from from there, I kind of made decisions and, and, and really started working on my, my sobriety. And, and when I found out uh, in that in that place, been able to work with a psychologist almost every day, um, which was unheard of back then. Uh, now, I mean, as far as trying to get to a psychiatrist, even in a, in a facility every day that you guys are so, you know, therapists too, you're so overbooked, you, you have such a huge list and, and things to, to work through. It's hard to, hard to see one, but I, I was blessed. I, I got to see, see somebody just about every day and, and work on myself and work on what the issues were. So when I got the diagnosis of, then you have a major, you know, depressive disorder, you have PTSD, you have an anxiety disorder. Um, you know, I didn't know what all that meant, uh, really, but then we kind of learned about it. And, uh, when I learned about, you know, the different chemicals and, and, and things the uh, and the medication that can help it. You know, at first I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, I, what do you mean? I need medication. I, I'm not, you know, I'm fine. I'm okay. But um, that just was part of my, part of my recovery. I had to kind of go through that and, and things. And I had someone explain it to me because I really was hesitant about the medication. And they're like, look, if you were, if you were a diabetic and you needed insulin, you would take your insulin, you know, so you, you have, uh, unfortunately you have some issues in your brain and you need this chemical for it. And so take it, take this met, you know, take this medicine. So it's, it's been a, you know, and, and it's always a struggle to kind of find the right medication a lot for a lot of folks. And it has been for me too. So, but, uh, it's helped a lot. And, and I'll say this, the PT 
PTSD medication that I, that I use, uh, that I had, I still use it, 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 it saved my life. Um, I mean, it, it really did because when you don't sleep then you, you, I got to a point where, um, I was having, um, you know, some, uh, some psychosis with my depression and my, you know, and, and was, was seeing things and hearing things that weren't at, you know, weren't there. And that was a, that was a part of it. Uh, I truly believe that the sleep deprivation was a huge part of that. So that really helped me uh, quite a bit. And, but, uh, been kind of working on, working ever since on, on that. So, but that was the, 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 the turning point, I think for me. Yeah. I love that that uh, young man was there. I mean, if that's not a God yeah. intention yeah. from God to show you that you do matter and that you saved his life. Right. Well, I definitely believe that, uh, that God was, was watching over me and, and put, you know, put us together a couple different times. I mean, you know, God knows, he knows the road we're on before we're on it. You know, he knows what, where we're doing, what we're doing and, you know, every hair on our head, you know, is accounted for. So, um, he knew what was in my heart. He knew what was in this kid's heart and, um, <clears throat> he knew what I needed at the time. And I truly believe it. He did, you know, he put us together there. Um, and it, you know, there's not a day goes by that. I don't, I, I don't think, thank God for that. And I don't thank him for that. I thank that kid for that. Um, and his family. And, uh, it just, you know, to me, you know, we throw around miracle, the word miracle a lot or whatever, but, uh, I truly believe it was, it was kind of a miracle. I mean, for whatever, whatever I'm here for, and I'm still serving a purpose and, and things, I think, um, God fixed it so that I would realize that. And, uh, he still fix it. He's still fixing it today. So, yeah. And like I said, I mean, I would have. It would have been a great story if that would have been it. I turned around and, and got out of the, you know, played the facility and my life was great. And, uh, you know, I, I never, never picked up another drink and I never had another day of struggle and all that. But that, that's not, that's not how it worked. Um, I still had plenty, plenty road, plenty struggles ahead of me and, and still ended up, um, you know, in, in, in addiction issues and, and uh, mental health issues. And that wasn't my first, that wasn't even my, uh, that was just my first stand in rehab it wasn't my second or you know I, it wasn't my last uh so i had had many, had other trips you know to and from it, it was a struggle it was a learning process and it still is a learning process for me but it was uh that was an amazing start i think to it what rachel she's so good at asking questions oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just taking it all in like it's just an amazing story and just i know you said that, uh, you know, you would think that family would be enough to give you purpose, right? But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of times when your people are really deep in that depression and hating themselves that they see their family as people that they're disappointing that might be better off without them. So I get that, that that right. wasn't enough to give purpose. And so here comes this this young boy, right, that didn't mm-hmm. have to say anything, he could have kept it to himself that you looked familiar, mm-hmm. right? But he didn't. Mm-hmm. And then you guys create had this connection, and it just went from there. It's incredible, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. It, it does. We we lose sight, you know, uh, because we are, um, you know, so so deep in into uh, into the weeds with the depression and, and, and anxiety and things that we can lose sight of what 
what the the important things are around us, you know, the family and things like that. So sometimes it does take a wake up call. It takes something, you know, from outside. And he was definitely that for me. Um, and it, it was, it sounds more dramatic maybe than what it was because, you know, I, I know that, I know that I didn't, you know, save his life. Uh, I didn't, you know, but I was part of that team. And in his mind, I was an important person and I did some yes. important things for him. And uh, that was enough for me at the time. And it still, still is enough, you know, I mean, it, it's great. And I know, I still know he's doing well, you know, he, he he's out there um, doing some good things. And I feel like I'm out here doing some good things. So it's, it's a good story. It's a good, it's a good, uh, a good line, I think, as far as a, um, a true uh, interaction with people uh, that God put together um, to kind of, to guide, to do his will somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. So, Bill, if you, oh, sorry, Rachel. Oh, no, I, was, I just said, yeah, I was agreeing. And, and then, please yeah. go ahead, Linda. Yeah. Yeah. How important is it to, to let listeners know if, if you're in therapy and you're, you're starting to notice you're opening up, because you mentioned Pandora's box, mm-hmm. and you're feeling a little flooded. How do you let the viewers know what they should do maybe the therapist might not be aware or what do you think the listener should hear about that what they should how they should share that with their therapist or something like that well that's that's a great question i mean it's very important because i'm i'm sure that uh you know that happens more uh more than just in my my situation but first thing to do is you got to communicate man you gotta you gotta be honest with with the therapist and um the problem with uh, that we have. And the problem with me is, uh, you know, I, I'm being sensitive sort of, I'm, I'm kind of a people pleaser. I want, I don't, I hate to say no. So if a therapist asks me, is this, do you feel like this is working? Do you want to try this? Um, you know, it was hard for me to say no, you know? So I, I think as, as far as if you're going to, if someone is going through this, remember you have to be your own advocate. I mean, you have to say, Hey, this isn't working, you know, um, and this is why I, I'm feeling worse. I'm having nightmares. I'm starting to kind of um, lose time. I didn't even know what was happening to me. I didn't. When when I say losing time, I think maybe people that's been um, that has PTSD, maybe and especially uh, veterans of, you know, combat veterans would, would call it flashbacks. And that was exactly what was happening to me, you know? And so I think if something like that is going on, the first thing you need to do is communicate with your therapist. Your therapist to me, um, are there to help you and, and have your, has your own interest in mind, but nobody has a crystal ball. They don't, you know, you guys don't know when, when somebody is, is, you know, you can only go by what they're telling you. And, uh, you have to be honest, I think with your therapist. So that would be my main, main goal. Don't be afraid to, to speak up. Don't be afraid to, you know, to say that this isn't working because you might feel like, Oh boy, I'm not, I'm not, I can't even get therapy. Right. You know, here I go again. I'm, you know, messing up, messing up stuff. Don't, that's not what it's about. You know, um, it, it's about being honest, uh, because you can't, I think if you can't be honest and you can't be honest with yourself, uh, Therapy and other things, just you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be you're going to make it. You're going to make it really tough for yourself. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that, and Linda, thanks sure. for asking. Right, because yeah, I want listeners to know as a therapist, right? And I think Linda would agree. We would never be upset if someone pushed back, yeah. said no, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, this is, this is too much right now. We need that information to maintain safety through the process. So I'm so glad that, that we just talked about that. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I work with a therapist to this day. I have, uh, been with my therapist for gosh, almost three years, you know, and, um, she is, she is trained in, uh, PTSD, um, you know, some of the EMDR stuff and some of the other ways to treat it. And we've talked about it and I've shared my experience with her, uh, in the past. And, and she's like, yeah, we, we don't need to go down that road. You know, we don't, we don't need to, 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 to do that. Um, you just have to share, you know, you just have to say, to be honest and, 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 and say, I, I really don't think it's a good idea. If you don't feel like it's a good idea. I think, I think people with, with uh, mental illness a lot um, and, and have those kind of issues. We think that uh, our opinion doesn't matter as much, or maybe we think that we have to kind of just go along to get along because we've already kind of, you know, in our, in our minds, we've already caused so much, much trouble. But uh, yeah, if you, if you don't share and you, you're not honest, I think it just makes it hard for everybody. Oh, that's, that's from a, um, I love that you said that. Phil, I have to call him Phil, so I'm calling him Jeff, is that view of self, like, when you struggle with anxiety or panic attacks or depression, you already feel like you're some kind of outlier in society, so to share, oh, I'm not even getting therapy right, Mm -hmm. yeah, that inadequacy shows up, I hadn't thought about that from the client perspective, I've been a client, I know, but I'm just saying it's hard to be honest. Yeah. Right. Well, you, you want to come in and you want to have a, you know, you want to have a clean report. I did. How, how was last week? How was your, did you have any, you know, anxiety issues? Nope. Everything was great. Everything was great. You know, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it, you have to, I had to stop doing that because I was a big person. Um, and I'm still guilty of it. I'm not perfect. But when somebody asked me, you know, if you're having a good day and you're not having a good day, then why say, oh, it's great. I'm having a good day. You know, everything's cool. You know, there's no harm in saying, well, today kind of sucks. You know, I here and here's why uh, I have had this issue and this issue. And, you know, if people don't want to know, they wouldn't ask. So uh, I think that you got to be honest. So, And it starts there. I think once you're once you're honest with yourself and once you're honest, maybe with the people, your loved ones that are around, it gets it gets easier to be honest with other people like your doctors and your your, you know, your care team and things. Um Man, it, it is, and it, it's a scary when you're not honest with your with your doctors uh, and your care team. You can cause some some damage. You know, I I did in in uh, a simple way, even with just my general practitioner, just my my family doctor at one point was trying to help me with with anxiety because she realized that I had, uh, or he did, he realized that I had some uh, severe anxiety issues, and um, so he prescribed me um, a medication uh, that a benzodiaz, you know, uh, which is basically like a free dry, freeze dried alcohol. You know, he didn't realize because I never was honest when they would ask me how much I drank, I would say, I have a beer here and there, you know, he didn't know I was, you know, uh, an alcoholic. So that's a good example of, you know, how you can do some damage to yourself by not being honest with it, you know, because he would have never prescribed, you know, and I think it was Xanax or something. just not a good idea for somebody who has addiction and alcohol problems probably to be on that. Um, so that, that, you know, if, if I was honest with him, he would have never done that because 
they're doctors, therapists, you guys. I mean, you just want to help. You just you're there to help uh, and to to kind of go down the road uh, of recovery with the folks. And if you can't can't do it in, in true light, it, it makes it tough. You guys are you know got one hand behind behind your back. Yeah. You know, so. Got to assume that people are being honest with us, right? Right. Now, now I'm like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You want to? I don't want to make you suspicious. Maybe, maybe people are a little bit more honest than I am. I think maybe, maybe that was the deal. So, yeah. Now Rachel's going back. Like, oh no! Exactly. Yeah. Who should I don't, check in? <laughs> don't go back through your case notes all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that said they were doing okay, you're going right. to put them on speed dial. Yeah. Yeah. Calling them up, everybody. Yeah. Are you okay? Are, are you? Okay? Okay? I'm already doing that. Yeah. Okay. I'm Yeah. Are you really? Are you really? Yeah. Well, you talked about, um, and, and thank you. I'll probably thank you so many times throughout this for just being so vulnerable and sharing. It means so much. Um, you shared about uh, some PTSD. And addiction. I was wondering if you could uh, tell the listeners about how you think the two are related, right? As far as yeah, uh, sure. I, I think that addiction um, and mental health are related in a lot of different, lot of different ways. Um, I believe you know people say the old saying in, in, in West Virginia. Uh, you know, you hear it. Uh, you don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg, or you get your cart before your horse or something like that. And, it, and to me, it doesn't really matter. I don't know what came first, my uh, anxiety and depression issues or my alcohol issues. It really, to me, that wasn't, uh, you know, the, the most important thing, I think. The most important thing is just like you said, to realize that they're connected, you know. Um, I think that we, when you fight, when you have a struggle day to day, with anxiety and uh for example and you um are so tired of that fight i think that anything sometimes anything that you can get your hands on whether it's a uh, you know it's a substance that's legal or illegal if you can give yourself some reprieve from that um nine times out of ten people are going to do it they're going to do it they're going to reach and it, it really but for me it became the path of least resistance you know it was a heck of a lot easier for me to go to the liquor store and and get a you know a bottle of booze than it was to sit around and, and talk to a therapist and try to find out what the problem was and to, to work through um you know the some other kind of coping skills and the reason that was i just didn't know any better that's all i had been doing my whole entire life um that's how i had treated my you know mental health issues uh was with with uh, alcohol so it's it's hard to to get to kind of somebody to realize it how how they are connected i mean and, it, and it's so it's so funny you know people say well i'm having a bad day so i'm going to have a drink well alcohol is a depression you know depressive so if you're depressed and you're having a depressive you know uh substance on top of that what do you what do you think really is going to happen there in the long run i mean what do you think you may feel you may feel fine uh, or feel pretty good and jovial or whatever. It may take the edge off, so to speak. Um, but then when it when it's all said and done, it's going to leave you in the, a, a little bit deeper in that depression, you know, hole. It did for me anyway. And I can only speak speak for my uh, experiences in it. Um, I mean, people have – there's lots of different pathways and roads to recovery. I mean, there's no – for me personally, I believe there's nothing set in stone. 
um, as far as recovery goes, uh, whatever works for you works for you. And, and mm-hmm. what, what I realized was definitely my, my PTSD, my anxiety, uh, my depression um, was all connected with my uh, alcohol abuse and alcohol use. And eventually I had become so dependent on it, um, I became physically addicted to alcohol. I had to have it. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't wake up and, and get on with my day without it. I mean, when you're, I had a job, like I said, I had many, many jobs, but I had a job where I would fly out of uh, Columbus here and every Monday, you know, I would be at the airport like at four in the morning and fly and across the country doing um, wow. like electronic medical records, uh, software implementation. So um, I would, I was obviously kind of a stable alcoholic or what people might call, you know, a functioning alcoholic, but what people don't realize is because of my, you know, my anxiety and my depression, I never felt like I, I had um, any control over the situation. I mean, I'm on, I'm on a plane, I'm in a rental car, I'm in a hotel. I mean, that's not a very healthy situation to be in if you were somebody that, that had the type of mental, um, you know, illnesses and, and stuff that I do. It just wasn't good for me. Um, but the way I, the way I handled it is, you know, I would, the first thing I would do when I get to my hotel room is find the closest liquor store and get a bottle of liquor and put it in my, in my hotel room. And that was there for me. It was there for me in the mornings. I had to have a drink before I would go see the clients. And I mean, it just, it's, I'm not proud of those things, but in all honesty, and a bit hundred percent candid, you know, with you, that's how I survived. That's how I survived my mental illness. And that's, that's all it's about. That's all it's, all it was about to me was surviving. And until, until it got too much, until it got to the point where, hey, you know, I'm barely surviving and it hurts to survive and it hurts to survive in this, this way. So I need to figure out something else out. And, uh, you know, there's more to life than a bottle of booze and catching a plane, you know, somewhere. So it, it, it really did. It opened up, it opened up my eyes to, to how, like you said, they're, how they are connected. If I would have, Who's to say if if I didn't have the, the the mental illnesses you know that I that I do have if I would have still been an alcoholic I can't answer that question I possibly I, I, maybe I would have um, but I know that they're definitely connected they're definitely connected in a, in a way that uh, that you know that goes very deep deeper than I even understand it so. What are some misunderstandings that you feel society has towards people who struggle with addiction? Well, I, th- that's a great question. And I deal with that day to day with my clients. Um, I, you know, I do. Um, I'm considered, I think my official title is an adult mental health uh, um, case manager, but I, I am a certified peer uh, recovery specialist. So I get to work with a lot of folks that kind of just in, have similar life stories as me. And I see it. I see people struggling in their, their work in school. Even, um, there's, it's getting better, but there's such a misconception about people that have mental illness and su- struggle with, with that stuff. It's, we're, um, we're the same as everybody else. You know, we feel the same as everybody else and we have the same kind of issues as everybody else. Uh, but we just have, you know, maybe one more, one more thing, one more thing to kind of, to kind of deal with throughout the day. 
And I think the misconception is, um, you know, people will say, I don't hire, or are used to say, I can't hire somebody who, um, for example, is uh, unhealthy, you know, unhealthy mentally or, or whatever back, back in the day. Uh, people would say, that they're, they're just, you know, they can't depend on, on you and, and things like that. And, and, and to a certain extent, that stigma has just, you know, really been still, still sticking around. People say that just people with mental illness aren't dependable. They're, they're a big, they're a wild card. Um, now, you know, they're not supposed to be able to discriminate, obviously, against that, against folks. Uh, but it, I, I believe that it's still out there, still happens. And, and I also, believe uh kind of on the flip side of that is if i have uh a broken leg and i'm and i have a cast you, you you can see he's got something wrong he's got a broken leg he's got a cast if i have uh severe anxiety disorder and i'm walking down the street you don't see that more than likely you, you don't see that so to getting to somebody to understand is, hey, I may look like I'm having a great day and I'm out here doing things uh, and everything's working. It doesn't mean that I'm okay. okay. I'm not, you know, it means that I am uh, going through it and, and struggling and, and maybe winning at the moment. But it, it does. It doesn't take away from the fact that I'm still, you know, I'm still sick. I'm still still having illness. And it's, it's hard. That, that's a huge stigma. It's like, if, if people can't see it, if it's out of sight, out of mind, they, they don't see it, you know, I mean, it's, it's easier. And I've been in, in, in situations sometimes in my life where I say, gosh, I wish I just had some kind of physical illness, you know, and that is an awful thing to wish for and an awful thing that I've seen people suffer. I've worked in hospitals and I've seen people suffer with physical illness, but that just goes to show you the depth of how sometimes our struggle is mentally is in my mind, it's it would be easier for me to have a physical ailment than to deal with my anxiety or my depression because people see that. I, I might get more support. You know, uh, people are more apt to open a door for you or to pat you on the back or say, "Hey, uh, do you need some help? Are you okay?" Um, you know. So yeah. those are the main stigmas, uh, and I, I see it. I see, you know, even in today, you know, which we're pretty modern society and, and there's a whole list of problems out there that that are that are kind of coming coming into uh picture every day new problems and things I, I believe even on the mental you know mental health aspect of things but we still have a lot of room to grow i think with those stigmas and recognizing all that uh in people mm -hmm. yeah you're so right it's sorry linda no you go ahead miss rachel it's easier for people to understand physical illness, I think, certain people, yeah. Right. It, it is. I mean, it's, um, it's tangible, you know, you can see it. it. You don't, you don't think of a mental illness until, unfortunately, until it hurts you or someone else. Uh, you, you don't think of it uh, as a, as an illness, as a true illness, as somebody that is, uh, could be, you know, ha have a disability, for example. I mean, it's it's a fine line, and and I don't think that people that have mental illness, we don't, you know, I, I can like I said, I can only speak for myself. I, I don't need anybody's pity. I don't need anybody to feel sorry for me or, or anything. But I I need your understanding from time to time. So yeah, that's so true. And emotionally focused therapy, the type of therapy we do, Jeff, they we ask. Well, what are you feeling in your body right now as you describe 
this event that happened to you. So she mm -hmm. brings it, our trainers bring us the body into the room where what you just said is, I, I'd be on an airplane, I was having panic attacks a month ago. People can't see that, but I'm, my heart's racing, my gut's flinched, mm -hmm. you know. So being able to name it to tame it, which Rachel taught me, is sharing that with people. What's happening inside your body right now as you share that? And that's what you're saying. People can't see anxiety. They can't see depression. They can't see fear, mm -hmm. disappointment. That's good. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I mean, and unfortunately, if we don't see it early um, and, and it's not treated early, sometimes it can, it can start to manifest itself in physically, physical things. I mean, you start getting migraines, you start getting ulcers, you can start doing a lot of things that, that, eventually everybody's going to see, you know, uh, so it's, it's important to kind of catch it. I think when it's still under underlying there, I think, uh, and that, that kind of, that kind of therapy has got to be powerful for people to, to talk about and bring their physical stuff in there. Do you think that because people can't see right mental health struggles and, and they can't see what's going on inside the body, we get all these labels that are so hurtful, like, oh, it must just be a lack of willpower. Mm -hmm. or you're not trying hard enough or your faith isn't strong enough. And mm -hmm. just so many things, you know, get, these labels get attached to people that make it so much harder. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it makes it very hard. And it makes, um, it, it can make you angry, you know. I mean, it, it, it really does at times. And it, it did with me because I think one of those labels, um, because I had, changed jobs so many times and I started things and couldn't finish them like school and had, you know, it wasn't because I was lazy. It wasn't because I was, um, you know, not motivated or anything else. It was because I struggled. I, I just struggled mentally. And I think that that I've had so many people give me good advice over the years say, you know, just be a man, P pick yourself <laughs> up by your bootstraps, man, get on with it, quit, you know, and it doesn't always work. You know, I mean, um, you, you just, it, it is funny how people think that, uh, look, if you do have anxiety or depression, that you're just, you're, you know, especially as a man, is it just, you're weak, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's just, it can be hurtful and it makes you, it makes you angry, you know, at times. I mean, I've had, uh, like I said, I've had people tell me, you know, just pick you pick yourself up by your bootstraps and move on. And then I, you know, I remember one time telling somebody, how about I take my bootstraps and wrap it around your neck? You know what I mean? It makes you that angry, uh, about it. And that wasn't the right, right thing to say, obviously, but that was how I felt at the time. Um, after you hear so much of that stuff, uh, in your mind, you, you start to, um, you know, it doesn't help. It, it starts to pile on and you're already, you're already sick. You're already dealing with things. You don't need, you know, need people to pile on and kick you while you're down, you know? So it, it only makes, makes things worse. The stigma about, you know, people, I have, uh, uh patients that, um, are, uh, are clients that I work with that, um, you know, are pretty, uh, high up on, on the mental, you know, mental health and the disorder list and they have different things going on with them and the names that they still get called today, um, in, in the school and in public and in their workplace, even it's just, 
it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, we, we, we really should do better. Uh, I think that it's a, that the mental health, uh, and people that have mental illness, I think it's a, it's a group of, you know, uh, a whole, you know, society of folks that doesn't have a real strong voice. You know, we hear all these different, different things going on nowadays, as far as different voices for different concerns and, and, uh, activist groups and things like that, that are protesting this or that. And unfortunately, sometimes I think that, uh, folks with, uh, mental health issues. Now there are plenty of, of, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things out there for us in plenty of groups, but uh, we can always use one more, you know, uh, there's just, just needs to be a little bit more knowledge and that's what it's all about people just don't know and I, I honestly think that people uh if they knew the type of struggles and the type of things that we did they wouldn't use those hurtful words they wouldn't say those things and they would have a better it's just all about education and, and been you know uh aware of that kind of stuff and in, in my opinion mm-hmm. that's so good don't I appreciate, I don't know if you've seen a lot of this now, Phil, is like we have our celebrities, Demi Lovato, uh, Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber, and I know that's the youth, the younger generation. But don't you think it's helpful that they're talking about mental health now, that they're sharing that they have those struggles? I do. I think it is because it, what, what it does um, is – when especially young people if they see somebody like that uh that's not afraid to come out and say hey i have depression and you know there they are stuck in their their bedroom you know uh 14 hours a day whatever and because they're afraid to to talk to anybody or do anything because they had that it's gonna it's gonna allow them you know a little bit more confidence give them more confidence to open up well she can do it i can do it and i think the past olympics uh you know we had some athletes that that uh came out and said, Hey, I, this is overwhelming to me. You know, the, the world is on my shoulders and especially, you know, in gymnastics we saw, uh, and she just took a step back and said, Hey, yeah, I, this is why you can say what you want. You can do what you want, but this is for me, you know, important right now. I need to take a step back. And I think that opens up a lot of people's eyes and things. Now you'll have a lot of people that will say, um, you know, well, that's just a, that's a sign of our society getting weaker. That's a sign of our society getting getting um, you know the kids today are just getting weaker. Whatever, in my opinion, that's a sign of our society getting stronger. That's a sign of our our society kind of getting educated, and that's a sign of our uh, the people around us starting to care, starting to kind of open up our eyes a little bit. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's a great thing, and especially with the young kids, you know. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more sad than being, uh, you know, a, a teenager and you, with all that stuff and all the things that you have going on as a teenager and being in a school and stuff like that and dealing with, you know, mental illness on top of that, that's a, that is a struggle. Even kids that uh, are a hundred percent healthy mentally still struggle with, with high school and with, with, with junior high and with sports and with, you know, what other people think about them and with, with social media and things like that. So you, you add, um, you know, some, some mental illness things on top of that. And that's, that can really be devastating for people, young kids. It's good that we're demystifying it. And it's, you know, when people would say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, they're actually talking to themselves. Because they haven't come in contact with their own 
demons in life and their own struggles. So they're like, well, just suck it up, buttercup, and pray about that. And you don't have any faith, like what Rachel was saying. Yeah, or it's just, no, it's not that. Yeah, I mean, I I lean on my faith, and I have for a long time uh, throughout things. And, I, and I've been a heavy, heavy prayer. Uh, but I will say that part of this, you know, you kind of learning uh, to be sober and learning going through my recovery. I, I changed the way I pray. You know, I pray more, more for uh, God's will in things and than than my will. And if if I prayed uh, to God to help me pick me up by my bootstraps, uh, you know, I don't I don't know, you know what would happen. I don't I don't think that that's that's not what I want to do. I want to pray to get better. I want to, I want to pray to do his will. I want to pray to be able to um, pick myself up so then I can go do something good for somebody else. Uh, so I can go do God's work a little bit, not to necessarily help me struggle, you know, my struggles, but maybe to help somebody else work. And in doing that, to be honest, and, and uh, you know, anybody will tell you is, you're going to help yourself. I'm, you help yourself when you help somebody else. And that, that's what it's all about, I think, especially recovery. It's a great way to, to, to kind of go down your recovery path. It's, it's a path of service and, and faith. And that's kind of what I've hung on to. <clears throat> so in recovery, what tools have maybe made the biggest difference for you? Personally, I think uh, the biggest tools in recovery is learning some coping skills from from my uh, from my therapist and from from you know from from the folks in rehab, and then um, I have to uh, give a, a shout out to, to AA. AA has helped me in, in my recovery. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous it obviously has been around a long time, and you'll have a lot of different people in different camps uh, about Alcoholics Anonymous and, and and in you know abstinence recovery in general compared to some of the other type of things that are out there now um, and that have been talked to. But AA played a large part. And my and my recovery still does. Uh, it, it's uh, for those who may not know. You know, it's a twelve step program, and the program, uh, while it may seem rigid uh, and overwhelming sometimes, it's a program that the twelve steps are, and it says right in in the big book of of, of AA that they're suggestions. Um, so they are. It's a blueprint, um, so to speak, a, a roadmap. You don't have to follow it turn by turn, but it's a suggestion, and it, it, it worked for me, it, it, and uh, it still works for me, and it, it helped me not only to to get uh, better with my addiction, but it, it's helped me so much with my mental illness and my and my some of my things that are underlying, you know, some of the depression and anxiety, because working through the twelve steps is you get to work on yourself, you know, a little bit, uh, uh, about other than just, you know, Hey, I, I'm a drink. I got a drinking problem. I'm a drunk. I need, I need fixed. That's not just, it's not what it's all about, you know? Uh, but that is definitely, um, AA has played a large part in that. My faith has put, played a large part in, in, in you know, everything, um, that I do and, and continue to do. Um, my church, I, I, I'm a Catholic and, and, kind of rely a lot on um prayer and and things through through the church and and luckily um we have just such a great i don't know a community uh i think of of 
the, the church and, and folks that are around the church that it's so, so large that there's a lot of people in my same shoes and in, in, in the church and it's it's going through the same kind of things so it's it's great to be able to talk about that to your spiritual leaders and things like that too um so that that's one thing that i really like to lean on my therapist too is uh, faith-based uh so she is she's awesome so when we, we we pray you know i've been to lots of therapists i've been to lots of tried lots of different things but one thing that was always missing to me for me personally was the faith-based part of it so i uh, am a big component or a big you know uh, uh proponent i guess of um, if you know, if you're, if you have faith-based background or if you, um, can, are interested in it, if you can get that in with your therapy somehow and, and, and stuff, that is an awesome way to go. Like uh, when we pray, when we do a closing prayer, um, every time for she prays, I, I'm just so amazed at how, how much she, she listens and picks up of everything I'm saying and realizes what's important to me and realizes what's important to ask, you know, God help for and to pray about. And uh, that, that feeling of relief, you know, coming out of there sometime, it's hard work. I mean, she's, and, and she's no, you know, she's not going to pull any punches. She's no BSer. And you're, and you know, I'm not allowed to go in there and say, Oh, everything's great. It's cool. I'm out. <laughs> See you next week. So, you know, she'll, she'll call me yes and say, wait a minute. Okay. This is, that's Phil. That's not, that's not true. Let's go. You know, what's going on? Let's go deeper. And, um, she does it in a good, healthy way. And I've been uh, completely honest, uh, since day one with her. So she knows everything. Um, and I think that's why it's worked <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I'm a, my, background it's no worse or no better than anybody else's but you know it's she can't you know solve a mystery if she doesn't have any clues so i have to help you know and i have to be honest when i'm when i'm doing that but um and she's great so those are the three main things my faith i would say aa and uh you know my my therapist my wife of course and my my family around me um my sisters anytime that i've needed to kind of I have, uh, my sisters are spread out. So I have a sister in Georgia, a sister in Florida, a sister in South Carolina. So anytime that I've ever had to kind of, um, man, I need to take a, take a break, step away or whatever. We'll fly down here, drive down here, be, you know, let's do this. Let's do that. I, they call it, you know, me hijacking their vacations, but I call it a good visit, you know? So, I <laughs> so they, they plan vacations and I might just show up. So that's <laughs> well, the way I roll. And, uh, you know, they, they're glad to see me. They may not know it, but they, they usually are glad to see me. So, uh, yeah. They're glad to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, my, love my sisters. Yeah. They're the best. Oh, goodness. This has been so powerful and so good. I'm so grateful. So grateful, Jeff, that you're sharing so much. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Really glad. And, um, you know, I like to talk, so unfortunately, I'm, we might have been, we might go longer. We might have been longer than what we were supposed to be. So. We might, we're going to bring you back on if you, you you're willing. We we appreciate it. I'd love to, yeah, yeah. And what do you want to let our listeners 
know or hear about recovery because I know that you work in the recovery realm. You're doing a great work there helping others. And mm-hmm. what do you want our listeners to know if they do struggle with addiction and they need to get some help? I think that's the, 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 the uh, hardest thing sometimes uh, is to, to ask for help. You know, you, you have to ask for it uh, a lot. I mean, there, there'll be people around, around you. There was plenty of people around me that kind of realized whether I realized it or not. They realized that I had issues, that I had problems. They had, they had to. So, um, but they don't know what to say. I mean, they're, they're not going to, they can't, uh, they can't get better for you. So you kind of have to ask, you have to take that responsibility on and ask, you know, for the help. And I will say about recoveries, you know, people always say, well, you have to hit your rock bottom or whatever before you, that's not, to me, I don't think that's true. I don't think you have to hit rock bottom. I think you have to realize that, uh, you know, Hey, I got a problem. My, my life's a little bit unmanageable here. Uh, you know, I can't, I've lost all power over, uh, the alcohol or this drug or whatever it, it's my life's just kind of become unmanageable which is the first step of, of aa now i will say this too that there's plenty of roads to recovery um if a lot of people don't like aa a lot of people do like aa it's worked for a lot of folks it's, it hasn't worked for some folks a lot of people like uh you know more of a kind of a, a harm reduction type of plan with their recovery where they kind of manage manage their their you know usage of alcohol or whatever the, the case may be instead of just total abstinence you know that may work for some people it didn't work for me because i once i uh you know popped the first pop i was dug in you know i mean that's just the way it, it, it happened to me um now i don't uh know you know any statistics what's what's better than others but like i say what works for you works for you and what doesn't doesn't so you just kind of have to try and even even in aa um if you if someone decides to go that route go to a meeting um there's more than one meeting. I would say if you go to a meeting and you don't like that group of people or something happens, you know, we're all human, go to another group, you know, keep trying, don't give up. Don't go to one or two or three groups and say, Oh man, this, this whole thing sucks. It's all, you know, this and that and that don't, don't do that. Uh, you're, you're selling yourself short, but, uh, that those type of things, I mean, it's a long, long road to recovery, but, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a bumpy one uh, always. And you don't always have to have you hear different things where people say, well, relapse is part of recovery and all this. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. There, there's, ne- there's no cut, um, you know, black and white road to recovery. Everybody's going to look different. Everybody's got a different recovery tale. Um, and, a, and, you know, so just have hope and have faith because I, I know, you know, I may look okay today, or I may not look okay. I don't know. I, I think I look okay, but you know, yeah. ten, ten years ago, I, I didn't look. Probably didn't look so okay, you know. And, and you know, even longer than that, I, I, I'm a different, different person today. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. I work a lot. Um, uh, I was telling Linda a little bit about. It. I do this thing called the navigation program with the, the Delaware County Jail here in, in Delaware County, Ohio. So I go in a couple, couple Saturdays a month and we talk about, we talk, meet with, meet with certain inmates and we talk about, you know, life reentering, you know, when they get out, uh, and talk about things like, uh, life skills and anger management and addiction and things. And, uh, I tell those folks there every week, but man, if I can do it, you can do it. 
Mm. I was in the same, you know, I was in the same, uh, same jail. Uh, part of my, part of my recovery was, you know, and part of the lesson I had to learn is I was incarcerated, you know, for some of the things that, uh, that I had done, um, you know, drunk driving and, and, and things, uh, you know, society doesn't, doesn't like those things, you know? So of course, if you, if you spend as much time in addiction and, and, and alcoholism as I did, you're going to get in trouble, no matter what really is in you, maybe in your heart, you know, I don't feel like I'm a bad person, but I did bad things. Um, so I, but I tell the folks there that's look, I was in your same seat, you know, and I, I can do it. I just try to share my, there's hope is the main thing. Uh, the main thing about recovery is there is hope. Um, and I just, if I can share my experience and whatever strength I might have in it, um, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for people uh, to, to, to give you that hope, to give them that hope, to keep on going. Just like that kid told me uh, in, in, you know, in the rehab that I, that I met in that hospital was like, dude, you know, you're here for a reason. And, and it's not, it's not this, you know, it's not, it's not to set in this, you know, in, in this facility and to, uh, to, to just sit here and struggle every day. Um, you're here for a different reason. So I, I believe in, 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 uh, in that kind of stuff. And I think that that's shown, that shown through really powerful for me. So not everybody, you may not have those experiences. You might not have an experience, in your face experience quite kind of like that. But I bet if somebody searches, if you search enough, um, you'll have those experiences to kind of look, look at in your life and say, Oh, wow, this person was trying to tell me something. And you know, God was trying to put this person in my life here. And, uh, so that's about it. That's about, that's about all I got, I guess on, on, on that. Like what's, what's for force come say. That's all I, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you being here with us, Jeff, and thank you so much for agreeing to share, and you're so vulnerable, and I'm so grateful. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate any opportunity I can to kind of get it, and, um, you know, sometimes maybe I share share too much or, or, or whatever, whatever and, I, and I apologize if that, that was the case, but... Um, I, uh, I think it's important, you know, I don't, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't share anything for dramatic effect or to be some kind of uh, to look look like something that you know um i'm not because believe me there's plenty is is maybe rocky as my story is you know you know how it is there's somebody who's got a story that's 15 times worse than yours every time so um but i i do want you to know or want your people listening to know man is uh, there's hope i can do it you can do it there's no there's no way um that you can't do it if i can so yeah i appreciate it and God bless you guys for doing what you guys do. It's just, uh, there's not enough, not enough of you to, in, in the world. And, and everybody knows, you know, what we, we need more people in the mental health, uh, fields. I think, um, it's just very important now. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for the work that you're doing today using your strength of compassion and empathy that sensitivity you called it right to give people hope share a little humor and support yeah. them in their recovery it's right. it's really important what you're doing so thank you oh well, thank you i appreciate it. it's my pleasure all right until next time bye bye bye, bye guys <laughs>